Now in year number six, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Everybody sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I do hope you'll share it with your friends and family. Cheers. everyone and welcome to episode 310 of a yank on the footy i'm craig wessels company from sandusky ohio thanks for checking out this episode in just a few moments i'm going to be joined by sly and spook from the collingwood rant podcast and we are going to be reviewing the 2023 premieres the collingwood magpies as we look ahead to 2024 now don't forget that if you're wanting to get your local footy club a shout out during an upcoming episode drop me a note uh, via email at yankofthefooty at gmail.com or on one of my socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find all of those over at my website, yankofthefooty.com. I love being able to highlight the clubs. And if you got the idea, an idea for a great guest or a story or a direction I could go for an episode or two, uh, please reach out as well. I'd love to uh, connect with you and uh, put something together. Now, today's club of the episode are the Harcourt Lions of the Maryborough Castlemaine District Football League. And the club was founded in the early 1900s. I couldn't find the exact year. Uh, they had a lot of early success early on. I think they won four premierships in their first decade. Uh, in won a couple more in the 1930s as well. But then in the 2000s, the senior side won four flags in 02, 03, and then again back-to-back in 06 and 07. And they played their games at the Harcourt Recreation Reserve. And this uh, last year, the men's senior side also captured another premiership, uh, defeating uh, Carisbrook uh, in the grand final. And the club has begun their training for 2024 to defend their premiership. And I want to wish the Lions the absolute best as they uh, hope to bring home another premiership banner in 2024. So let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Sly and Spook from the Collingwood Rants podcast. And uh, I think you're going to appreciate the uh, first few moments of this with my mea culpa, which I have offered up many times last year after what ended up happening and what I did not do during the course of the year. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for our next preview episode, and we are joined by Sly and Spook from the Collingwood Rants podcast, the defending premieres the Collingwood Magpies. We're going to pre- preview them for this year. Gentlemen, I'm thrilled that you are are able to join me this evening. Last year, you rolled me out of bed at, at three o'clock so we could do a four o'clock in the morning um, preview. Uh, and uh, it worked out great. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to do 4 a.m. this year, but uh, this this worked out great. I'm, I'm glad this worked for you. I'm so glad you're back. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for Thanks having us. us. Yeah, this is. Uh, I just want to um, just. Uh, yeah, it was a great little intro, but uh, I just want to hear you say the word premiers again. Premiers. You are the premiers. premiers. Yes, you are the premiers. Yes, the premiers. Yeah, the premiers. So before we get going here, uh, I am going to uh, start this stopwatch on my phone here for a minute, and and if you guys feel any need to uh, to chew me out, tell me how horrible of a human being I am, but. I did not tip the Magpies in the eight last year. And if you'd like to let the world know how wrong I was and, you know, how wrong everybody else was that did not put them in the eight, this is certainly your opportunity to do that. 
Well, the chief football writer for The Age, Caroline Wilson, didn't put us in the eight either, and I've never seen you and her in the same room together. (laughs) So, I don't know. What do you... I think that's pretty self-evident now. Yeah, well, I uh, I, I can't remember uh, what our preseason uh, prediction was, Sly, but um, I don't think the word premiers came into the equation much. <laughs> well, that has nothing to do with preseason predictions. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you know, I actually don't mind when they get played down because I, I think the club has a problem with hype. So when the hype's not there, they tend to feel a little bit more focused. So actually, I, I don't mind, you know, when people tip them not to be in, eight, in the eight and tip them not to be finalists and all that sort of stuff because you'd hope that internally they're going to use that as motivation or added motivation mm-hmm. on top of everything else to drive them toward, you know, what, what the game's about, which is, tell them, Spook, it's about community, right? It's about community. Yeah, or flags. Um, <laughs> this is a conversation we had with someone else. But what's football about? Is it about flags or is it about something else? And I think any sporting endeavours about you know, the ultimate prize, whatever it is. So I can't believe he didn't tip us to, you know, to win the flag, Craig. It's pretty yeah. disappointing, really. Well, probably... I... Go on. Maybe I'm going to doom you to to failure this year because I, I am pretty confident that you are... I'm putting you back in my in my grand final pairing this year, I believe. So, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to work out in your best interest or not, you know, because if... if uh, if things continue to project the way that they have, I mean, the last two years, the, you know, the, the players that I've tipped for the Coleman, and the Brownlow have all four gotten hurt <laughs> and, and didn't win. So, <laughs> so I've been telling people, Hey, if you want, if you want your, you know, your best goal kicker or your best midfielder to stay healthy, you know, send me some gear from your club and I will not tip them to, <laughs> to win the Brownlow or the Coleman there. <laughs> so with, uh, which one of us are you uh, voting most likely to make it through the podcast unscathed? Um, well, I'm a, I'm going to vote for you because you've got two computers available to you there. So if you need to if you need to switch to another one, you could always do that. So how, I'm, I'm loving me technology. Yeah. Well, you're an IT guy, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, when I work out how to spell it, I'll be even better at the job. <laughs> Maybe share some of your stories of IT. Oh, could I? How many hours we got? Uh, well, I, uh, I've got time. So if you, if you've got, if you got one that is just, you know, that is there one that's, <laughs> is there one footy related that we could, that we could roll into this at all? Uh, absolutely not. Nothing oh. of absolute remote interest. Oh, well, except there was once where I, um, I did, uh, sign into a chat to speak to Rupert Batheris. And I think that was just, uh, him and I, Rupert Batheris, you'd, uh, remember him, Sly, that was about 140 years ago. This is yeah, before it became a thing. It um it was an exciting concept, but uh, the execution was uh was appalling. Doesn't even make an interesting story. Well, no, I, speaking of execution, I I <laughs> I have I have an interesting one. Uh, I, I've been a school teacher now for thirty years, and the company that used to work on our Xerox machines on our copiers, we no longer use this company, and I don't know if it's specifically because of this, but. Uh, I, I went into the, you know, we had copiers throughout our building and, and one of them was being repaired, the one by my classroom in this in this uh, little office area. And I go in there and the gentleman that is uh, is working on the machine, he's got, his, he's got his laptop sitting up on top of the, uh, 
the machine and uh, had several tabs that I could just, it's just by walking by, you could read the titles of the tabs. And uh, well, let's just say that he was, uh, during his downtime, he was enjoying some rather interesting activities on his, on his laptop. Uh, that he did not bother to close out any of those tabs on them while he was there. And I just, I, I mentioned the administration. I said, yeah, I don't think he was actually watching any of that here, but uh, just wanted you to be aware of it. So um, it's, uh, I'm glad he was wearing gloves. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> in, in, in that aspect, I could share stories, um, but I won't, about the things you find. And yeah. uh, people seem to think that uh, the workplace is the best place to do uh, all, all levels of depravity. Oh, I, yeah, I'm my my depravity at the workplace is uh, is watching footy on my computer before the school day starts, or listening, to, you know, you know, or listening to unacceptable music through my Spotify account. <laughs> that's 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 as crazy it would get as it would get there, but uh, you know. How good does it feel or how good did it feel to to take home that 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 flag last year? And it, it was a really, really close game. It could have gone either way there in the in the in the grand final. Did did either of you get the opportunity to go to the game? Yeah, no, we way. were both we were we were both there. Um not yeah. together. Um, but uh, we were definitely both there in the stadium. I did uh reach across and wave to Sly at one point, but I don't think he saw me. Uh the side of the ground. Uh, Mr. C of uh, what, what was the final figure? Ninety eight thousand or something like that. No, well, Brian Taylor, Taylor said it was. We, uh, Taylor Swift. She could only pull ninety six thousand there. No, it was a sellout. It was a hundred thousand, whatever the capacity is there yet again, perfectly. So don't know, but yeah, we both went to the game. Really hot day. Um, yeah, I go into these sort of games like, despite what I might say publicly, like I quietly always confident thinking, "Can we win this? We can win this." And this was shaping to be a typical Collingwood heartbreak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just when you thought they had it comfortably uh, secured, uh, they gave it another goal, made it to four points. And it was like, okay, they're going to do this again. They did this five years ago. And credit to coach Craig McRae and the players who really learned how to ice games. Um, there was a bit of panic, but, you know, at the end, it's just, I mean, first you get the relief and then it's the elevation. Right, right. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and the previous year, it was kind of, it was a little anticlimactic in the grand final of, because it was... A lot of the grand finals are really average games. I mean, it'd be curious. I mean, most of, you know, sorry, from a Geelong perspective, obviously it was awesome to watch, but in terms of a spectacle, Geelong's... Right, right. So, yeah, you know, it was... Well, yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I dozed off in the first quarter and had to rewind it and go back and watch the first of the first quarter of it uh, over again. So I, fi I finished the game about 40 minutes after everybody else did. So oh. the, cel the celebration on social media was going on and I was still watching the game at that point in time. It's just, you know, one well, of the, you're still in front of the swans at that point. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's true. That's true. So, um, you know, looking at the at the club, you know, you you you've had a couple of a uh, couple players leave, um, you know, a couple you know big names, you know, whether or not one of them was going to end up being a, a, a big contributor in, in Jack Ginevan, uh, you know, moving on to Hawthorne, you know, a little bit of a spark plug. But I think, you know, I think it's safe to say that, you know, that uh, 
that maybe Bobby Hill had kind of, you know, slid in in front of him and was going to be taking his his games from him to where, you know, Ginevan might be, might end up being coming off the interchange or coming off the, uh, um, you know, ending up playing in the twos. And yet then you lose, you know, Taylor Adams, who, you know, you feel bad for him not being able to play in the grand final also. Uh, you know, somebody who's put his heart and soul into the club for so long has moved on to Sydney. I mean, those, you know, I think Adams is a, is a big, you know, out for the club, but I, you, but you're, you're doing a really good job of, 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 refilling the list and uh and reloading this club yeah well, adams is getting squeezed out a little bit by the addition of mitchell so adams is right. up more at half forward um you know as the season went on and mitchell was doing a lot of the center square duties and then they got a couple you know two or three players like finn mccray and josh carmichael who was you know similar tough midfielders who are vying for game time so i think adams realized that you know and i really love taylor adams as you know as champion of his for ages i think he's sometimes he got harshly rated in terms of his disposal but mm -hmm. it's disappointing but like i i like the fact that they're looking at the evolution of the list rather than just staying with what they know and you know and then the bottom drops out and you're playing catch up constantly uh the jack you know, one i'm really disappointed he's, he left i would have preferred he just state the claim and said i'm going to take my spot back i you know you'll be dropping other people in front of me um Going back to 1981, which is a long, long time, Collingwood recruited Mark Williams from Port Adelaide, and uh, Williams told Peter Dagos, who was a sentiment at the time, "We're going to take your spot," and he did it. You know, I like to I like to see that. You know, and Dagos is still a young kid at that stage, but you know, I like to see that drive from players and that competitiveness because that's only going to make you better. So I'm actually disappointed because Ginnivan, I would have, you know, you put this time into him. He's been there for three, four years. Right. Right. You know, and you'd hope that he's going to become a long-term player at the club. I mean, he's contractor, so they didn't have to get rid of him. Get right. rid of him. They could have forced. They could have played his hand. Um, could have said, "You're going to stay here. You're going to, you know, play VFL if you if you don't do anything else." Um, so a bit disappointed in him um, leaving. Uh, but again, you know, some of the Hill came in, sort of squeezed him out, and they've got that Lockie Schultz from Fremantle. So mm -hmm. he's another one who's squeezing him out. And again, there's probably a couple of other guys in the VFL like Harvey Harrison and that who, you know, are really vying for the same position. Harrison played, I don't know, four or five games last year rather than Ginnivan. So I think the one thing of Ginnivan as talented as he is, defensively, he doesn't really fit the model that they're pushing. Uh, you know, right, they right. really like that players that can apply that frenetic pressure. Um, and, you know, guys like Hill, um, even at Harrison to an extent, you know, Bo McCreary, they all do that shorts. They all do that, you know, a lot better than Ginnivan. So I mean, yeah. it's interesting too, because Ginnivan's not going to get an easy ride at Hawthorne with Sam Mitchell as coach. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where that's, he goes. Yeah, from it's that, that's, it, that is very true. You know, now he, you know, he's, I, I would think that the, you know, as that, that being a club that is still building, maybe he's thinking that the opportunities might be, a little bit more forthcoming to him there than they would have been, you know, with, with the, with him getting kind of, you know, caught up in, you know, the, the, the clutter of, of the list and, and not being able to get a game. Maybe he's thinking that this is the best way for him to be, to be playing on, you know, the big stage, you know, with the Hawks. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he's a Hawthorne supporter. Just uh, probably that's played some mm -hmm. you know, level 
contributed to it. But you're totally right. I'm sure he's looked at it young sides. I can be guaranteed a spot here for yeah. know, a few years at least. Um, but, you know, Mitchell, I think, will want those sort of same players. I mean, that's the modern game. You need to play, apply pressure constantly. Right, um, right. Need to show a little bit more composure. I mean, one thing with Ginnath, and if you watch him in the grand final, pretty much every he had one shot at goal where he had options inboard. Mm-hmm. But pretty much every kick he took was just kick it high in the air and hope for the best. And there was times he kicked it in the air to like Jamie Elliott and Elliott was totally out of position. He did it to Hill. Hill was totally out of position. It was like, show a little bit of, um, um, you know, show a little bit of where we're full to sort of go, oh, well, this is a situation. Let me put it low. Let me put it out in front for Hill to run onto and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's disappointing Ginnivan's left, but, um, you know, at least they look like they're constantly trying to turn this list over and move it forward rather well, and, than... And, you know, you, you look you look at one of the the acquisitions that they made last year that that I'm when when they made it, I, I don't think even, you know, the two of you probably thought a whole heck of a lot about it, but, you know, you know, they, they brought in that, that, that world famous mustache that's, you know, stuck to <laughs> Oleg Markov's face uh, to come in and, and, you know, and this is a guy who came in, if I'm not mistaken, he came in just to train with the side of hoping to catch on with somebody here or there. And, yeah, and, and you know, he played 23 games for you guys last year. Oh, it was 23. I mean, yeah, he came in. He was just really trialing for that last spot. And um, we had a couple of injuries. So that probably, you know, that gave him an in, which Mm -hmm. prior to that, I mean, he actually trained with us. Then he went and trained with Carlton for one day. um, And then he got invited back. And I can't remember who the injuries are. I know Kruger got injured at one stage. Um, And then there was... Obviously, you know how broke his arm too. But uh, right, right. There's just, just sort of the circumstances, you know, fell into place for Collingwood to go. Well, you know, stay here. Um, and he's a Premiership player now, so it's a yeah, fairy tale story. It is. It, yeah, and you had, you know, you had a couple of you know of those stories on this club. You know, you've got you know you've got the you know the sons of you know a a, a former. Magpie great. You've got, you know, you've got that that tall Texan, you know, who's, you know, yeah. trying to help to, you know, bring the uh, you know, bring recognition of of the game over here in in you know his in his way in his fashion. Um the one I really he, liked seeing was just Peter oh, Darcy Moore, sorry, because Peter Moore, um, I don't know how long you've been following like the AFL VFL, but in 80. Because Collingwood lost in 77, 79, 80, and 81. Mm-hmm. And 81, Peter Moore was the captain. And at that stage, they used to hand out runners-ups medals to the players, the way they hand out the premiership medals. Mm-hmm. So the runners-ups went first. And when they gave it to Peter Moore, when he went up on stage, he just turned and he flung it into the crowd. Oh, wow. Just in disgust. And they never... They still give out the medals, but they don't do it publicly anymore. Okay. So... To see his son, you know, what is it, 42 years later, actually, mm-hmm. you know, hold up the Premiership trophy. And that, like you look at Peter Moore in the background when he hands the trophy over, you think this is going to be a really bittersweet moment for him because he played in five grand finals, mm-hmm. came, didn't come away with a single win. Um, you know, and his son, first on up, he's played in and he's he's won, not only won the flag, but he's captain the flag. Captain. It, it was a seriously magic moment. So incredible 
Yeah, yeah. I think the the crowd. Sorry, sorry for my departure there too. You, uh, yeah, I think you make really three know, really, IT, really make three IT and gags, and uh, the, the the gods come and uh, shit all over you. Um, I, I'm yeah, just, no, I'm just, I'm just hoping it has. Was, I'm just was, hoping was, that this was, had nothing to do with the copier story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check his other tabs. Well, we we uh, there was a, uh, and this is a, just a a quick uh, side note um, here. Um, there was a, a, a guy who's a one of those t- political talking heads on CNN here in the, in the U.S. Uh, who was doing a live shot, doing a doing a live Zoom call during a news broadcast on on CNN while um, also partake partaking in some sort of another activity at the same time. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, he's multitasking. So yes, yes, he was. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't watch CNN, but uh, yeah, he was he was off the air for months, and then they brought him back on. So both hands of the uh... yes, he he's he's managed to res erect his career. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, so I was saying that the um the 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 expectation in the crowd, you could feel it. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted um, uh, Peter Moore. Who was a, a massive, um, incredibly popular player for us um, to to have that that moment with with Darcy and and the crowd just went off when it when the the handover happened. It was just one of those moments. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of AFL before that a, a father's handed the cup over to his son. Um, it was just a, a monumentally wonderful. Yeah. Well, is it all? Is it always the captain that gets it then? Sorry, the. That gets the, the trophy handed, the the cup handed to them afterwards. Yeah, yeah from the, okay. from over the, uh, the the guest presenter. Okay, because I because I I didn't know if it was if it was not the captain necessarily. I think I was thinking there might be two more options on your list that could possibly be recipients of of the cup uh, from a parent that played with the club. You know, in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any more Dacos brothers coming along that? Uh, no, well, I did pitch to the club. Look, let's get some Dagos semen and a heron, but they're not going with the idea. So, well, I, I have actually, and I, and this actually today. this became this became a really big part of the. I think it was the Fremantle preview. You know, I asked whether or not you know a if a player you know you know with the father son or the father daughter or someday down the road the daughter son. Or daughter daughter and that's yeah i i probably will not be cogent when we get to that point i mean i'm 60 years old i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna be a very old man when the you know when the first you know daughter son or mother son and, and mother daughter thing occurs you know coming out of the aflw but uh so you know if, if you're you know with the father son thing and you know if you're planning on having kids you know why not just go to that that uh that fertility clinic and you know just have a, a whole litter of like a half dozen kids all at the same time and you know you can basically you know bring in your entire you know your entire you know defensive structure for the next 15 years in one draft all with the same name well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna approach the club this year about uh, what how much money they're investing in cloning because i think there's a market there for us <laughs> you've uh you've heard of the film the boys from the brazil it's uh yes. the boys from macedonia it's going to be the new big thing <laughs> I mean, I think, it, uh, 35 Dacos is running around. Um, no one will touch us for about 400 years. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it is you know, and and it's you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek, kind of jesting about it. But it, it's you know, and I, I said, when are we going to have a uh, 
you know, you know, you guys have Emirates on your on your jumpers. The Cats have Ford. You know, Hungry Jacks with the Eagles. When are we going to see one that's you know club that's sponsored by a fertility clinic? <laughs> you know, and I of course, and I also mentioned then you know that you have the you have the big you have the big logo with the fertility clinic on there, but then you of course have to have the smaller one for Sexyland as well because you know they they, they kind of <laughs> just kind <laughs> of. I hear the commercials on television or the the radio broadcasts when I listen to the games on the, the on the app. Those show up sometimes it's on there. It's actually embarrassing so. that that jingle is now playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> would you like me to do a, a, Would you like me to do a really bad Frank Walker promo for you there to get it out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, you know, yeah. While you, you don't want to be so. I don't think you want to be so bold as to say we're we're going to be the defending premiers this year. You you can't not think that this club with the list that they have is not going to be at least a top four side playing in a prelim at the very least this year. Yeah, I hope they be top four. I mean, it's funny thing we've spoken about, you know, because the two other flags we've won in ninety and and two thousand and ten, that was a pretty young list, and they mm-hmm. were the two lists you thought would have had longevity, and they didn't. They unraveled spectacularly, and this is probably a list because the age profile at top with Pendlebury side bottom how like thirty plus, and then you got some guys in the late twenties. Right, it doesn't seem to have the longevity. But having said that, you got the brains trust to. I'd, I'd invest a lot more faith in than the two previous brains trusts. I mean, mm-hmm. the the ninety one was just they just you know they'd lost what, what was it, eight in thirty two years, and um, it was just a big celebration. It went on way 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 too long, and then two ten was just that stupid succession plan just totally destabilised the club yeah. internally. Yeah. Uh, this time you got Craig McRae and Lepich, who both come from the Brisbane era when they won three in a row. Um, you know you got. Brendan Bolton was at the Hawthorne. I'm pretty sure he was at Hawthorne when Hawthorne was repeating. So you got like people who've actually been in organizations that experienced mm-hmm. success, enjoyed it, and then reset and reloaded and went for it again and stayed focused. And I mean, I don't know, I mean, but you know, from what you're hearing, the scuttle buddies, they are pretty focused to go at it again. So yeah, um, Coxie actually had on, I think I'm sure it was Coxie had on his podcast in the end. Um, I think the the club talked, um, you know, about enjoying the moment and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and you know, gave them a few days, but they pulled them back in pretty quickly. And um, Justin Lepich, one of the assistant coaches, um, walked into one of the team meetings and had a, a box, and he um, placed it down on the the desk and started talking and all that sort of thing, and then went off on a, a thing about you know you've enjoyed this, you've got one medal. Um, how good does it feel? And obviously everyone was pretty ecstatic and that sort of thing. And then he's opened the box and he goes, I've got three. This is what you can do. Mm-hmm. And Cox talks about, he goes, that's the moment where you went from enjoyment to, yep, I'm now thinking about the next one. Right. Now, right. whether that happens or not, but I think that's an uncollingwood-like approach yeah. to things. And that's where, again, where the changes in the club are, are so profound in the way that they approach these things. So I mentioned before about the over-celebrations. I mean, nobody over-celebrates like Collingwood. That's what we've done in the past. We win one of these things and then we just vanish. I think we will have a serious crack this year. I mean, and you also get with, the, the... With, whether we can do it or not. I mean, there's no guarantees, no absolutes, yeah. right, but right. I don't think we'll be left wondering, which is again, something that I don't think I'd ever have come out of my mouth 
mm-hmm. after years of following with this club. There is a noticeable change in the way that they're approaching these things. And you get the Tom Mitchell story too, that right after the game, so when they're still on the ground, he pulled all the guys, the VFL guys, or the reserves guys who hadn't played. Mm-hmm. And he just said, you know, I was in your position years ago. Now I've got a medal. And he just said, you know, keep your head down, keep working hard. This could be you. You know, your chance is going to come at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing, astonishing focus for this club, which usually just loses itself in the, in the you know, in the hype and um, the self-congratulations. And obviously they should celebrate a flag. But, you know, like I've Spooks heard me talk about him so often is, you know, like the guy I really revere is Novak Djokovic in terms of he just keeps going back and back and back and back. You know, he's got the most grand slams. And you said the difference between champions and just good players, the champions, you know, they'll do the hard work, they celebrate the moment, and then it's like, what comes next? And they just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. And you'd hope that at Collingwood now that, you know, there's enough internally to maintain that focus. And as Spook said, there's no guarantee we're going to win it unless, Craig, you tip us to drop out of the eight again. But... um <laughs> At least they'll give it a, you know, at least we can believe they will give it a good hot, you know, good red hot go. Yeah, it's... And, and, as, and as I said before, with the age profile, I think this year, if you're going to have another shot, this is it. Right, right. And it's going to be, there's going to be a number of age players retire, and I don't think you can cover that spread so quickly. So there's going to be a period of of, uh, of readjustment. But um, I, I have a lot of faith in, in McRae and the boys that are calling the shots these days. Do you think that, and and I know you, you don't necessarily want to even think about this, but, you know, Scott Pendlebury is 36 years old. Now, I'm sitting here as somebody. He's young, I think. The okay, term. okay. Yes, he, he, has, he has gone around on this planet 36 times around the sun. How about we do that? Is that, he's made 36 okay. trips around the sun. I think um, he's outpaced the sun a number of times. He's just outrunning. Well, hang on. The Carl supporters told me it's flat. You're telling me it's not. <laughs> well, I better figure that out before I book my flights uh, one way or the other. But, uh, you know, the there is going to come a day where he's no longer in the black and white. Now, you know, other people have stepped up to become cogs in the machine that are the magpies, but you know, in many ways, he's kind of been the uh, the the little motor that helps to drive this club for for many many years, and it's been the you know been the the uh, the hub around you know, which the the club is, has turned quite a bit. But do you think this might be his last? Rodeo, oh, barring injury, I'd think he'd have two more seasons. Um, barring injury, you okay. know, yeah, the problem, not, not the problem, but the thing at that age, the end can just come suddenly, right? You know? Right, that's true. You know, you go to look at Nathan Buckley, he won the Brownlow in 03, 2003, and then 04, 05, he missed both the bulk of both years with the hamstring injuries. Mm-hmm. 06, he came back, he played most of that year, but they were resting in periodically. And then 07, again, he missed the bulk of the year with hamstring injuries, and that was it. He was done. Um, so, you know, straight after winning the Brownlow, he only had one more real full season out of four years. So, like, I mean, at that age, it's just what the body does. And Right, right. I mean, if he's, he's been incredibly durable, though. Mm-hmm. 
I, his durability really increased uh, early 2018 when in one of our first episodes, Spook wrote him off and said, I think the end's pretty close to the Scott Pendle Barry. Okay, you know, I, I don't feel so bad. I, I don't feel so bad about not having you in the eight last year then. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a, that makes me feel a little bit better. But, you know, does he go back to play basketball again? Because I've heard rumblings that he has a basketball background. And I, I have to bring oh, yeah, it up. He's time. playing basketball. Yeah, he only um, transferred yeah. over he, to football, I think, in his mid-teens or something. Yeah, he, he gave up um, He gave up his spot for whatever it is. I'm not a massive basketball person. But uh, Della Devo, De, Della Devo, what's his name? Matthew Della Vadova, yeah. Yep, he he um, he gave his spot to him for whatever academy that um, – Okay. That you did so he was obviously on a very similar platform. His, his basketball career was meant to be quite promising, um, but he chose um, um, AFL over over that. I don't know whether his accountant necessarily agreed with the decision, but um, I mean, he's still no matter what, he's looking good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think look the, at that the, last... key, the, the key thing with Pendles is is even at this age when you know you may slow down or you know it may take a lot longer to do something or or the hits feel harder, et cetera, et cetera. His leadership on-field qualities mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Right, His right. performance in the last quarter of that grand final was astounding, you know, what he did. And it reminded me a little bit of that that, that Maxwell idiom about, um, you know, no matter what, I wasn't going to just give up and let mm-hmm. this thing slip when um, it was the, the 2010 drawn game, the, yeah. the dying moments of that where, you know, your true leaders, your, your true phenomenal elite sportsmen step up when it matters. And and that's the one thing that, that Pendles has done for years is he's just, you'll, you'll never die wondering with him. Um, I, that's what I was going to say. Him off. <laughs> yeah. But, well, that's what I was, you know, I was going to say is that last quarter, he was just, you know, astonishing. And you look at that when Brisbane got the lead late in the game and Pendleberry talks about, he looked at the bench to see, you know, if there was any pain, and there was and then he looked at the clock and he realized there's probably still four or five minutes left and mm-hmm. he, he went into the square and Nick Dacos was going to swap out of the middle to to go to half forward and Tom Mitchell was going to come in the middle and you know Nick Dacos said well do you want me to go do you want me to go to half forward and Pendle said he said to him why you don't want to be part of this and so Nick Dacos stayed and if you look at that play <laughs> Cox gives it to, to Nick Dacos he gives it to Pendle's Pendle snaps and then Nick Dacos rose the 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 punch and Pendles at the goey, and then like the, the other thing is, you look at the players' name there in terms of Pendles, Nick Dacos, and the goey. You know they're all really class players. So when the game was there to be won, the class mm-hmm. player stood up, and then the next goal was you know side bottom took it on himself to have a shot. Right, and that's right. what I, I like. That's what I really love with players. I mean, Jack Crisp is another one who probably doesn't get the plaudits he deserves, but in terms of the finals and all that, is like. I always say the great players are the ones who, when it comes down to it, they're the ones who say, you know what, I'm going to take the responsibility to do something here. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of the grand finals have lost. We just, for whatever reason, that hasn't happened or it hasn't happened enough across the board. In this one, when it was there to be won, a lot of players stood up and, and won it. So, you know, that was, uh, it was almost like fantasy. You know, it's not anything I've ever seen at Collingwood in 40 plus years of supporting him. Yeah, yeah. It's... uh yeah, so looking into 2024, you know, well, first of all, I guess I have to ask how much, you know, how much swag did you add to your collection uh, of the premiership gear after, you know, after that? Have you, you know, 
have you have you added the the jumpers and have you added the the posters and such and so, that you're gonna you know I, I pre-ordered the back yeah I pre-ordered the back to back stuff so that'll be coming in October. <laughs> I bought a hat. I bought a hat. There you go. I I, I um I, I've never been a, like I do buy climate stuff, but never been a huge member of Billy Guy. I did mm-hmm. invest in a lot of beer that night. And okay. Okay. You know, a little while afterward. Um, and the market, the market buy... fell out from underneath on that beer about six hours later, didn't it? Oh, it's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and drank a fair few of the game too. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never been like, like I, I buy kind of stuff, but I've never been like a huge collector of stuff. I yeah. think Spook collects a fair bit more than me. Uh, particularly like the stuff. I, I do like the uh, the, the period stuff, but I've, I've slowed down a fair bit. I did buy um, the the uh, a few of the posters mm-hmm. um, and the hat, but nothing nothing too over the top at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I actually just made 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 my annual purchase from the cat store uh, a couple of days ago. So I uh, picked up a couple hooded sweatshirts and and things so i can you know hopefully stay warm here for the rest of winter time here once they arrive because it's just i'm i'm just i'm freezing it just i i'm you should get out of here and spend a month in australia well it's going to be you know but that'll be summertime for me though so i mean that'll be i'll be leaving i'll be leaving you know 28 30 degree weather to come come back to 14 (laughs) or 15 degrees you're coming to melbourne you'll get uh snow uh, intense heats, rain, uh, meteorite showers, everything in one day, every day. Oh, it's been amazing. The summer's been <laughs> truly insane here. So, well, it looks like there's been a lot of, winds, lot of rain. Yeah. A lot of rain, heavy winds, some hot days, and then, you know, it's all happening within three days, too. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm pretty sure this is not the meteorological channel. It, so, it's, it's not. So, you know, while you are you know, thrilled about the events that, that took place in 2023 and and you've pre-ordered your back-to-back stuff for 2024, which is, which is certainly your, you know, prerogative to do that. And I, I won't be shocked if that happens by the way, but what are, you know, are the expectations to win it again this year? I mean, I, and we've kind of alluded to this already, or you're, are you thinking, you know, at a minimum, we've got to get back into the top four. And then if that happens, we've got as much of a chance as anybody else. I think we've got to aim at top four. And then once you're there, you're setting yourself up for the best chance. I mean, I mean, the one thing you always look at with any season is, okay, this is where I believe our standard is, but what's coming up underneath us? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carlton's promise for quite a while. Um, Adelaide should have been in the finals last year. You know, Port Adelaide. Uh, so there's, you know, there's always like that one club will, will drop out, but then there's always that one bolter who really shoots up. Uh, and, you know, it is... It's you know, and it's cliche, but it's pretty even competition. So it's you get one wrong injury, and it can really, yeah, you know, exactly. hamstring your chances. So yeah, so um, look, I I I just look at it like get in the top four and then go again, and yeah. you know, see what you can do. Um, but that's the first aim. Is our first first priority. I think even McRae spoke about it last year was make the finals, and then once that's guaranteed, make the top four. So, um, you know, so they're looking at it incrementally. So, yeah, I guess make the finals first off and then see where we go from there. Yeah, I much agree. I think um, I I don't personally have any great sense of expectation um, that we're going to go back to back or anything like that. I think it's it's a bit foolhardy to think that. 
Um, but you've got to tell you how things pan out. There's so many factors that can can derail a season. Yeah. Um, but you know, you when you finish the the season and you are sitting top four, your chances increase incredibly. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a couple of sides I think that'll you know probably um, be keen for a uh, a crack. There's a couple that annoy the crap out of me that I don't want to see anywhere near us. Uh, hello, Carlton. Um, <laughs> other, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be thinking we'd be a chance, but not, but not fully. Yeah, we'll, we'll just let, let's just see how it pans out. Let the chips fall. I mean, the one, they may. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I mean, terrible, thing, like, cliche to say, but that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, the one good thing, like I said, I mean, if the people in charge, at least they've been there in institutions, organisations, you know, Hawthorne because some of them came through the Hawthorne model. McRae was there through some of the Richmond stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, McRae and uh, Lepich were there during Brisbane's reign. At least they sort of can recognise, you'd hope, the danger signs. If there is complacency that creeps in and, you know, in terms of pacing the club and when you want them to peak and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you go back to 210 to 11. 11, they probably peaked about six weeks early. And then they were just struggling, not struggling, but, you know, they, they weren't at their best after that. So you'd hope right now that at least the right people are in place to try and keep them motoring along to hit their stride at the right time. So, you know, you made you mentioned, uh, you know, the danger signs. So what are the, and while, while they, you know, the coaching staff is certainly going to address those things, but as, as supporters of the club and as people who do a podcast about the club, what are the things that you're going to be looking for that would be indicators that, okay, this is not going the way we had hoped this year? I think the major one at the moment, the concern is the Nathan Murphy concussion issue. Um, so potentially losing a key cog, you know, down back. Uh, and then you got McStay, who probably everyone hoped would be a linchpin up forward. So he's already gone for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So some of this you're really going to rely on, you'd hope, I mean, I've always been a big Nathan Kruger fan. Um, hope that someone like him steps up or Ash Johnson and then down back that Murphy, you know, uh, doesn't have more concussion issues. But unfortunately, his concussion profile is like one heavy hit could be it. That could, you know, be his career. Mm. But the way that's happened for him in the past. Uh, and then you just sort of look at like some of the older players. Are they still producing to the same capacity? You know, so you get the side bottoms and the how and... And um, I mean, where I joked about Spook riding off uh, Pendlebury six years ago, I mean, I've probably ridden how off about two, three times in the last three years. And in the finals, he was fantastic. Yeah. The hope the compensation there is you get the guys like Nick Dagos and the Goey really stepping up and then someone like a Finn McRae or whatever really, you know, coming in and being able to play that fourth string midfielder, getting some game time and getting some experience, but also adding some youth and enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah, and you, yeah, I think have, it's a given that your you, your more seasoned players just wouldn't have a full season in them, so it has to be a, a bit of a transition between bringing the likes of McRae and and now the um who's the 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 new recruit that we got Matias Vitel, no Matia um the first pick Matia Matia or something oh the the Harry the Matia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The example of that look like brilliant build, looks good. Um, looked like he was set for a debut, and then he's done another finger injury because yeah, we have nineteen hundred finger injuries a year at Collingwood. Um, yeah. But that can 
derail a little bit of of that promising potential that could come in and and and, and take a position of a, of a more seasoned player or at least backfill that role if they do go out. And right. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for us is to maintain that throughout the year is is it, uh, to to bring the new blood in, give them a, at least a decent run at it. You know, not a not a case of one game in and then you're back out, but uh, a good run of three or four games at the expense of a season, boy. Um, but yeah, you, you you then hopefully if you do it well enough, you've got a bit of a a selection problem coming into the season. But it, it, just for the longevity of, of some of the older boys, they're going to have to um, not play twenty odd games a year. They're going to have to. Um, share their role a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, Which, historically, no team, no one's won the back-to-back with the same team. Well, you know, it's always been changed. Uh, pretty much derailed that one. Yeah, yeah well, it's going to change it. But I, it just sort of like, I mean, I'm sure it's, I, I don't know the actual stat where it's just how many players have been different in back-to-back teams, but... Just make something up. Yeah, okay, four players. But you, you look at that like just as, I'm not saying going to win back-to-back, but you just look at that as like, okay, every team has to evolve from where it was. Mm-hmm. So whatever our best 23 was last year, you know, what is it at the end of this year? And that's obviously going to change because just, you know, everyone ages, there's injuries, situations change, um, even just stuff like matchups, you know. So there might be a game where they think we need to go taller or whatever. So someone misses out and someone else comes in. But... Like I said, you hope the right people are in place to oversee that. And if not, Spook and I are happy to take the job. There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, and you know, looking at at the fixture for this year, you got an interesting start. You, you know, you got you got the two Sydney clubs to start out with, then St Kilda, Brisbane, and Hawthorne. Um, but looking at the back end, you know, you you, you only leave Melbourne six times all year. That's bad. Um, yeah, and six. What's outrageous? Yeah, I yeah, I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and only one time after round sixteen, you only leave you only leave Melbourne yeah. once after round sixteen. So basically, the last third of the season, you're only you're only getting on a plane once, which is good on them. About time they got that right. It's outrageous. So I mean, you you guys only leave Geelong like fourteen times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, I, the funny thing with with that is is, is that we, we get lambasted somewhat chronic by um, opposition supporters for that, but every club wants us to play for for dollar reasons at the G against them. Uh, it, it some of it is is seriously out of our control. We don't we don't make the fixture. We don't have any influence. No, 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 right, as, right. As I know um, everyone wants to play us at the G. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just the way it is. You know, but we have to travel, and I think it's a minimum of four that we have to go in the state for or something. Um, I don't know. Not exciting finals. Well, I would think, um, yeah, it it makes sense that there'd have to be at least, yeah, you would have to say at least four because, you know, you've got, you know, you're going to, you're going to be heading to go to either GWS or Sydney, Gold Coast or Brisbane, Fremantle or West Coast or Port or Adelaide. You know, so there's four right there. You're going to go to one of those, one of those four places. And then, you know, maybe, Maybe you're going to go twice because you know with the gather round stuff, you're going to go back to Adelaide probably a second time. Then, um, oh, that's a, that's a good point with the gather round thing. That's a yeah. mandatory. Everyone, everyone jumps on a plane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, but it's not. You know, we we don't put our hands up and say, "Well, this is the way it's going to be." Mm-hmm. No, no, I no, I understand. I, you know, I'm not. You know, that's that's that was that was not the Geelong supporter in me going. You know, boy, sure it would be nice if they actually got to be you know, if they make a final, they actually get to play a home final. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. That's Jeez, Craig. I can't believe the Geelong supporter and you came out like 
Don't uh, really. I can't believe it. No, I know. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's well, the it's the NFL fan in me, and again, I, I've 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 learned to understand it, but you know, it's NFL fans. Your typical NFL fan would not, if they if the NFL fans were say Geelong supporters, and just as an example, and uh, Geelong, let's say let's say Geelong finished number two on the ladder. And Richmond finished number three on the ladder. Ain't happening this year, but this is a nice little hypothetical here. And then, you know, they, you know, so the cats would, you know, in the NFL, the cats would have the home field. So they would play the, the, the playoff game would be the finals game would be played at their stadium. Yeah. You know, that, you know, the, the, the idea that, 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 that the, uh, you know, for example, that, you know, let's say that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to play the New York giants in a, in a playoff game in the NFL. And, you know, the, the, the Eagles had a bet, had a better record, so they should be the home team. But the NFL came along and said that, uh, well, the Giants have more seats in their stadium. So we're going to go ahead and play the, the, your home game at the Giants stadium. The Eagles supporters would drive to New Jersey where their stadium is and burn it to the ground to prevent that from happening. <laughs> they, they would not allow that to happen. It's, it, yeah, I, I trust me, like I said, I understand the concept of it, you know, you know the disparity in terms of you know now a forty seat stadium, a hundred thousand seat stadium, but it's it, NFL fans would not get that. They would not understand I mean, that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean the NFL years ago they went through the grand rationalization because every club pretty much had a home stadium, mm-hmm. and then right, they just, right, yeah, they got rid of them all pretty much. You yeah, know? Oh, they got rid of all of them actually, and they made people co-tenants of different stadiums. And, and as far as that was concerned, I can't remember what year it was. It's in the nineties where Geelong lost the first final, they finished in the top four. Mm-hmm. And then they had to play Adelaide, who was coming from a lower position. But at that time, Geelong was forced to travel to Adelaide to play mm-hmm. Adelaide and at Adelaide's home ground. And after that, there was an uproar that, look, Geelong's the high-placed club, but so they should have the home ground advantage. They should, mm-hmm. Adelaide should be the one travelling. So, I mean, the AFL's had some sort of idiosyncrasies there where they've worked out the way they're going to do things and... You know, unfortunately, or not whether you call it unfortunate or not, I mean, the MCG is the home of football pretty right, much. Right. So that's no, yeah, absolutely. Play the bulk of finals. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, um, the guy who I do my preview episodes each week, who's from Adelaide, but lives in Canada. Um, we kind of joked last year when, when we're getting down to the, uh, you know, the final four clubs, you know, into the prelims. And we we're thinking that there was a possibility of it being a, a GWS in Brisbane grand final. We, we said to each other, we might need to go ahead and get tickets to go, you know, to fly <laughs> over there because, you know, who, who in Melbourne is going to care about that grand final. We might actually be able to get into that one. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. Yeah, be, I mean, the, the problem, the problem is with the grand final is it is an incredibly um, uh, corporate affair. Yeah. 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 I think, I don't know, you can't quote me directly on the, on the ticket allocations, but it's pretty poor for the competing clubs and yeah, yeah. a, a stadium that has a capacity of a hundred thousand or whatever it is. It's something like about I don't know, it's 16 to 20,000 per competing club, mm-hmm. a guaranteed a ticket. Um, and there's the AFL and the MCC members, and the rest of it is pretty much um, Triple M, the radio station, who flogs and gives away tickets, all those sorts of things. From the corporate perspective, mm-hmm. it really it skews the, the, the approach. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I still think one of the best grand finals I've been to was um, the replay in 2010. They took the corporate element out of the replay and just threw it open to the members. And it was a pure, passionate, loud, feral supporting grand final. 
Yeah. Which is, I think, well, you know, when you look at it realistically, the prelim is the last bastion of the supporter um, high um, product. After that, point. it becomes a, a corporate entity, which is a shame because, you know, your number one game of the day, uh, of the year rather, it, it should be celebrated and, and attended by the people who put the hard yards in all year. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not Frank Counts and uh, yeah. Bob End who wears three ties. It should be the, the purest Spitzblood supporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that about the prelim because the prelim against GWS, which is so heavily, um, you know, Collingwood, and you were saying, Spook, like you were in the Great Southern Stand, was actually shaking from the... It's, it was actually there. unnerving um, how much it moved. I don't know whether that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you know, you get the, the, the prelims are, you know, as Spook said, the last bastion of just sp- uh, support, like total rabid fanatical fan support. Um and the grand finals can often be really clinical affairs because uh, so many tickets have gone to so many neutrals. Yeah, yeah. So let's ju- let's uh, fast forward to the end of 2024, <clears throat> and the Pies have played their final game of the season. Whenever that happens to be, maybe it's the grand final, maybe it's a prelim. It's not going to be at the end of round 24. Uh, it's that I think we can safely say that, but what's the headline in the paper going to say about the magpies for 2024? They've done it. <laughs> no, I mean, back to back is too easy, isn't it? I can't think of anything else. Back to black. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Is, uh, now, uh, Angus Young, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, um, you know the the guys from ACDC were from WA, weren't they? Yeah, you got me on that one. I should know I, this. <laughs> I thought I don't know why I was thinking that they were, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna check that real quickly here. Uh, there was Angus, a Angus, Angus was album, actually Angus was actually born in in the UK. Yeah, I think I said it. Yeah, I was, wasn't the other guy. Um, no, no, I think it was Bon Scott. Bon Scott. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think he was from? Well, yeah, I know he's from Australia. Although, although he was also born in the UK, but I know, but yeah. you know that he's listed as an Australian singer and songwriter. Yeah, we take claim for anyone who's good, and you know, if they're not, then they're New Zealanders. I mean, I mean, even the BGs pretend that they weren't from here. What's going on? Yeah, air supply. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So all have a like love to, and passports. Yeah, you know, back, back, back to black would be, or black to back. One of those I think would work. Yeah, that would be. Uh, um, I think that would be a a, a good one to to have there. I'm trying. To, I I try to come up with snarky ones that would work, and I just uh, um. You know, maybe something to the effect of, you know, that, that Craig McRae gets to stick around and savor this win as opposed, to running, as opposed to running off yeah. to the hospital. Uh, yeah, that no, one. He should have another kid. He should time it all. It should all be time to, you know, reproduce. He should have twins this time, though. The, um, the headline would be Spook Breaks World Callous Record for Hand. <laughs> so does the, does the father-son thing work for the coach also? Do they have oh, I think no. so. My son's pretty keen on coaching the Woods one day. <laughs> no, his son will play for Brisbane. I mean, if they picked him up, if they played. Yeah. But 
Ти е сам на Дора. Ти е Дора. Ти е Дора. 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 I think the headline will be in big bold letters back to back and then under that will be despite only six away games interstate Craig says <laughs> I didn't I just simply reported it I didn't <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, actually, pretty I'm sure you lodged a protest at the AFL too well I'm I'm going to be in the country so maybe you know I, I know I'm I'm not going to do that I I I would love to have a discussion with them about, you know, promoting the game here a little bit more and just, you know, to, you know, they do air quite a few of the games here, but they don't let anybody know about it. It's Who's just, who, carries, you know, who carries the games over there? Is it uh, ESPN? Fox, no, no. Uh, Fox Sports, uh, we have like, Fox Sports has a couple different channels like Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, and they'll, you know, the games will be carried live but there's never any kind of an advertisement, you know, because the games, you know, the games are on, you know, late or yeah. early, depending upon, you know, where you happen to be here. Um, you know, you'll have games that will come on at 11 o'clock at night, all the way through about five 50 in the morning on the East coast of the U S that, uh, um, there's never any kind of little advertising that says, Hey, the, you know, the games are going to be on set, you know, set your recording device. You can watch the game later, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I have long advocated that, that the the league needs to do like on a Wednesday night here, like a half an hour long highlight video of, of, you know, review yeah, of the previous good. week and, you know, maybe preview one particular game that's going to be on, you know, like the big game of the week, you know, that, and yeah, they, no, they, that would be good if they did like a weekly update and yeah. did that. Like there must be some Australian expat that can use there. I mean, the other thing I always thought would be great. I don't know what the cost is probably prohibitive, but, if the AFL actually had like some third tier competition they ran in the US or the UK during our off season. Well, we, then, we do have, we do have the, the USAFL is here that, you know, you have, yeah. you know, you've got close to 50 teams playing the game here in the United States. But it'd be good to have like an organized one. And then what you could actually do like here, we could send to, you know, some 19 year old go, who or some 20 year old go, go over there and play and we'll have a look at you. Yeah. Um, during our offseason, then, you know, if you're looking good, we'll pick you up in the draft or whatever. It, it's They do need to cultivate it because at the moment, there's way too many teams and not enough players. So the standard has dropped a little bit. They've diluted the talent pool and they are going to continue to expand with Tasmania and then whoever they go next, which was that going to be New Zealand probably, but um, you, you, they you do think, need you, to you find think, more you think, talent. You think New Zealand is is a that you're the first person because I always ask that of people. You think New Zealand's a real possibility? Yeah, I <laughs> no think chance. Wellington's a possibility. No. Um, we, I, yeah. we, we've been there a number of times. It's a it's a dead end. Okay, you might as well go back to China for all the effectiveness it has. Yeah, but they've gone to GWS and that's a dead end too. So I don't <laughs> well, think they really care about who's there. Yeah. I think they're going to try. Yeah, but that that club has managed to at least have some success despite the fact that you know they've not you know gained a lot of traction in terms of membership. Although I guess they've had their their biggest membership numbers ever this year so far. They're hitting what? I mean, yeah, any new franchise, it's going to be a generational thing because it's not going to pick right. up after. What, right. and, and the thing too is it's it's always like okay, great people to follow them when they're doing well. Are they going to mm -hmm. follow them when they have that four or five years of rebuilding and getting back up there and stuff like that? 
good point. Good point. Yep. So but, um, I, I, I don't know if it'll work because it might just be like that area's too rugby indoctrinated. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have Victorian clubs that are still struggling after being in the league for 90 years. So, you yeah. know, you go to new places, is it, it going to work? It's interesting. I mean, one of the issues we're facing here with the future of the game is is the participation for for kids when they hit the teenage years is, is plummeting. Um, every kid loves to go to Auskick, which is that in, intro to right. the sport type of thing, and the numbers there are what the AFL tend to gravitate back towards to show the health of the game. But um, the drop-off is, is pretty alarming. Basketball and soccer here are still coming back with massive interest and you diluting the talent pool that, that, right, that right. comes into to the AFL. And ultimately, then, I mean, obviously, if you want that as a career path to get into, you're, you're, you're narrowing the field, but it also means it's difficult to get regular and consistently good players into your competition, which ultimately will affect that. I think that's, that's going to be the biggest thing over the next 10 years. I'm seeing that with my um, two boys now is, is, you know, the eldest, he's, He's doubting whether he wants to play football again, and and the the lure of soccer is 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 too great. Um, we're we're going through issues here with um, there's a class action with previous players against the AFL with um, the concussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. the game can be perceived to be, um, you know, the tackling is 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 quite violent, not violent in the terms of of of, of being you know, deliberately right, angry right. or right, something, right, but right. The, the end result can be mm-hmm. perceived to be quite violent. So, you, you 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 know, it's natural for parents to say, I don't want my kids to be playing that. I've got some friends here that are um, um, that have originated out of um, non-Australian countries that um, that look at their kids as, um, as it's not a sport I want them to play. And you sort of... You're combating that constantly, it's going to be an interesting thing where the where the game evolves. I'm, I'm, I'm much like I think it's one of the greatest games going around. Yeah, incredibly skillful. It's it's athletic. It's physical. All the things that used to make yeah. a great sport, but yeah. there's unfortunately elements of it that just aren't appealing to people. Um, and I, I have you know, I. I have support not... wise though it's absolutely through the roof. Yeah, you know, it's, but so you can you can support a product till your nose bleeds, but if no one's actually going to start playing the thing, it's going to be a rapid death. Right, right. But you know, I've I I don't know the figures on this, but I would I would have to think that with the introduction of the AFLW, that maybe the and and maybe I'm wrong on this, but uh, the numbers of girls getting involved in the game with the introduction of the AFLW, where they now see that they have a platform to play this game, that maybe those numbers are starting to tick up a little bit. Well, maybe the guys are starting to tick down. Oh, it's definitely the guys that are, that are trending down. Um, AFLW, and I don't want to sound negative or anything, but it's mm-hmm. still its novelty phase. Right, right. The, the, the standard of the game a couple of years ago was greatly increasing. It was entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. It's it's become bland. Delir- again, it delivered the talent. I mean, well, they start about eight clubs. Yeah, and that's the now, problem. And now they've got 18 now. Right, um, right. I mean, it's a good point because you're going to – it's another generational product. It's not – you mm-hmm. know, you got some – some of the players are actually, you know, not – they're really good. Like they're great kicks and all that sort of stuff. But then you see some of the others who are part-timers and they're really struggling with the, the quality. And, um, but, you know, the, the AFL is just a physically, well, Australian rules is a physically taxing game and there are high risk elements to it. And the concussion things now become the hot topic where 
you are getting the past players complaining about it and the AFL's being really mindful of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of that too, it's how that splashes back on junior level football because you get like, you know, Spook said, the parents and that who are looking at <clears throat> AFL and going, holy shit, I don't like keep playing that. The person just got their head knocked off or that person's suffering concussions. Yeah, it's yeah. better to play whatever, tennis or something. You're not going to have the physical contact. Uh, there's, there's speculation among some media commentators whether tackling will survive. You know, in the future, whether it'll just become more of a basketball type of game. So, and that would be disappointing if it is. Um, not no disrespect to basketball, but just, yeah, that's, it's, that's they're, two, they're two different games. And and basketball, yeah, you, know. you know, you go back, you know, you go back and you look at the NBA of like the 1970s and 1980s when, you know, the Detroit, you know, the Detroit Pistons were, you know, the 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 you know the like the Motor City, they call them the Motor City Bad Boys and such. I mean, it was a that was a very violent game at that point in time, you know, when Jordan was playing and Bill Lame Beer and, and, you know, you, you, you know, you drive to the basket, chances are you were going to end up on your ass because somebody was, somebody was going to plant you on the wood. You yeah. know, you're going to, you're going to earn those two free throws. You know, I don't, you yeah. know, as, as much as I've enjoyed watching LeBron James play the game and him, you know, helping to bring a championship to Cleveland, the only one in the second one of my lifetime, the other one was when I was a year old with the the, the football team here. I don't think LeBron would have done as well playing in that era where the defense was as abusive as it was because he's used to, you know, he's become accustomed to, you know, any kind of an affrontery where somebody brushes up against him, he's going to the free throw line. No, I, mean, I, six, I agree with that. He's you know, six, eight, 245 pounds and, you know, they'd still be knocking his dick off. Pardon my French, you know, if, you know, going through the lane. Basketball is almost endemic of of modern sport in the in that they want it to be high scoring. Every mm-hmm. sport has to be high scoring, and, and it comes. The, the frustrating thing is my kids play basketball. The frustrating thing for me as a numpty who had no idea about the game is how often I see someone who looks like they've legitimately defended someone from from preventing someone from from shooting a, a basket or whatever the term mm-hmm. is, and they're penalised for it. And you go, but but this then becomes a, a game where all it is is the focus is on the attackers and the reward for for whatever it is that you get is that you get a shot at at, at the thing. It sort of takes the the fun or the, yeah, the element. Yeah. I don't think any game that, that that defends really well. Soccer's a great example of that. It, it's look, you may only score two or one goals a, a game or whatever, but it's an, an interesting concept, uh, the concept contest to watch. That mm-hmm. the toing and froing, the battling, the strategies really come to the fore. If you product, if you produce a sport that's just incredibly fast flowing and high scoring, eventually people are going to get bored of the product. Right, right. You know, if you're going to punish the defender every time he goes near the ball. Then, then what's the point? You know, the NFL, defending the, itself is a wonderful craft. The you know, NFL has, is, is is relatively easy when you when you got the the uh, the red carpet ahead of you. Yeah, I'd like to see a balance. Like we used to have it in the AFL that you know the defenders could could spoil and scrag and all do mm-hmm. sorts of things to stop the to make the Ford's life difficult. Now it just becomes a you sneeze on them, they get a free. Mm-hmm. It's 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 too and much. The game itself. And yeah, the rule changes. I don't know, sorry to just to interrupt and to go back to basketball for a second. I don't know whether the stat's true because we don't do any research on our show. I wouldn't expect it on on, on this. But apparently the NBA is um, experiencing the highest scoring season of its entire history. Mm-hmm. 
this year or last or whatever, which again is showing that the fact, yeah, you know, the, the art of defending um, is is being pushed out of a lot of sport. We just want to go and watch something that's just free flowing and high scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just going to say Australian rules too. I mean, all the rule changes are introduced to keep the game moving to give players greater opportunity to score. You know, and yeah. you look at like that stupid stand rule, for example. No, oh. that wasn't there to that wasn't there to address an issue in the game it was there to give the guy off the ball a chance to set off and take an opposition out of it and then drive the ball longer than he would have had an opportunity to prior so and then you get just sort of other things i mean the deliberate they don't want people kicking it out they want the balls keeping in motion as spook said defenders are just so impeded by rules where they you know any contact is penalized they troll their hands in the back rule years ago where if a defend or any player put their hand on the back of someone else it was a free kick regardless of whether they impinged them or not yeah. It was just a free kick because they didn't want the potential of impingement. So, like, all the rules are designed to try and keep the ball moving. I don't know why because Australian rules has never been a slow sport. So why someone felt That's like, fair. let's yeah. keep it moving, um, you know, let's get rid of deliberate, let's have the high deliberates and all that sort of stuff. Let's throw it in straight away. Um, you know, let's get that stand rule in there. It, it's just absurd. And, and well, I'm happy to watch a game with only six, seven goals are scored by each team if it's just a hard contest where they're really mm-hmm. – you know, trying to you know win the ball and all that sort of stuff. And some of the best games I've seen are still low-scoring ones. High-scoring games don't necessarily mean good games. They just right, mean right. high-scoring. Right. Yeah. The NFL has the NFL has done this as well, where they have really begun to hamstring the defensive team's abilities to be defensive. You know, they've got you know they the the officials you know when you you know you have like the pa- i don't know how much of the nfl you guys watch at all but uh if any but uh you know the you have the guy, the, the pass rushers who are trying to get to the quarterback and tackle him before he you know makes it you know throws the ball you know the in theory the offensive linemen who are blocking are not supposed to be holding them but it's 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 almost as though you need to call you know a you know crime scene unit to do you know to start dusting these guys for prints and taking, you know, taking smear tests and such because they're getting molested every single time. And, and they're not, you know, the, the offensive linemen don't get called for holding anymore. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, because they've decided, you know, they, they've, they've put the, you know, they've put the, the Patrick Mahomes and the Tom Brady's and, and players like that on that pedestal that this is the, this is the face of the game. Not, not the guy who can go out and, and knock the quarterback on his ass 25 times a season. Yeah, I, and that's a lot of sports. I mean, look, I mean, I know you probably wouldn't follow cricket, but cricket's the same. Where I it's am really watching favorite. cricket now. Okay, so it's, it, it's <laughs> the, you know, years ago it was like the bowler, you know, could keep <laughs> bowling bounces and all that sort of stuff. So nowadays with cricket, it's favoring the batsman in every way. The batting technology has improved, so um, that's an older bat, obviously. Yes, it is. Um, it is an old you know, one. Yes. Yep. So I mean, you look at the bat technology <laughs> now; it's insane. It's it, it's the, the they're so thick, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember Dean Jones was saying, because he played in the 80s and 90s, and he was saying, you know, if I, if the ball hit the splice of my bat, it would have just bloomed up for a catch. He goes, now with batting technology, if it's the splice of a bat of David Warner, it goes for four. You know, rope, uh, boundaries are roped in and all that sort of stuff. So there's this, I don't know, this misconception that, hey, high scoring means better entertainment, which mm-hmm. sort of thinks. Well, you know, yeah. I've watched, I've watched most, as far as cricket's concerned, I've watched mostly like the, the T20 and a little bit of the T50. I yeah. watched some of like the, the under 19 championships in South Africa recently, but I've been watching a lot of T20 stuff over the last year. 
I watched a little bit of test cricket and my perception of it is that, that they're, they're basically two different games that oh, test massively cr- different. Yeah. You know, that test cricket, you know, the, the, the batsman is a very, it's almost that they're taking a very defensive position themselves as the batsman that they take, you know, protecting the, the, the wicket much more seriously than, than they do in the T20 because, you know, T20 is, you know, we've got 120 balls coming at us. We got to knock the snot out of these things every single opportunity that we have. Yeah, that's the way it's designed. I mean, test cricket, you could, I mean, you could literally bat five days if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, most teams are probably going to bat a day, a day and a half to try and get a big score. And that's, I don't know, about 100 to 120 overs or something, even more. So test cricket is meant to be a battle of attrition where T20 is meant to be, you know, there's just this slugfest. Right, right. Um, well, T20 is an entertainment product. It's something you can take your kids to. You, you know you're going to be in and out in three hours. It, it's the perfect sporting outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone cheers and wears a bucket on their head. <laughs> and, and the AFL's actually experimented with these sort of things. They've had games like they had one called, what was it, X or whatever? AFL, AFL, yeah. Where they played six on six or whatever it was, or five, and they played that lightning premiership years ago, and and they're constantly exploring ways of speeding up the game and all that sort of stuff too. I, if you look at like society in general, we're always trying to go quicker, faster, more right. exciting. You know, right. You know, television shows back in our day were twenty two episodes, or whatever a year. Now they're like ten. Um, Everything is designed at a faster, glitzier product, but that doesn't always necessarily mean it's a good product. I mean, just ask no, Disney. It's, uh, well, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the. Did you ever see the uh, the movie? Uh, it's called Colors. It had uh, Robert Duvall and Sean Penn, yeah. where they were yeah. you know, a couple of police officers, and you know, Sean Penn was this hard charging young police officer. And I remember a line. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. Uh, where, you know, Sean Penn wanted to go in. There was something happening where Sean Penn wanted to just go in and just start, you know, bashing everybody in in this situation. Robert Duvall said, you know, it was telling the story about the bulls that were up on the hill that, you know, that said, you know, well, you know, why, you know, you know, why don't we go down, you know, why don't we, you know, why don't we go down and, you know, beat up one of those guys or whatever the case may be. And, and you know, Robert Duvall said, you know, what, but it was, you know, he said, you know, that the bulls are sitting there going to say, you know, why don't we, you know, run down there and, and, and you know, screw one of those cows and and he said why don't we just walk down there and screw them all <laughs> yeah well i mean to be it's fair kinda, though, i mean we, it's kind of it's a s- similar thing I just, yeah i just say when colors was made and sean penn was saying we should go down there and beat them all up that was probably yeah. just sean penn probably wasn't even part of the movie <laughs> fair point yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at like, you know, kids are always growing up on like YouTube. Um, sorry, it sounds now sociological exploration, but like, you know, growing up on short videos and mm-hmm. well, no one has an attention span anymore. No, no. So, we, as as somebody who's been teaching for 30 years, I I've I've I'm realizing that yeah, I'm I've we we got rid of our library at our high school. So oh shit, really? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I'm uh I've been trying to, you know, myself and a couple of other teachers have been trying to recreate our library in the aggregate. So, I mean, I, I have over 1400 books in my classroom library, just in my classroom. And yeah. I'm, I'm setting aside time to, you know, for kids to read. And it's been, it's been a struggle because it's something that, that does not get done anymore as often as yeah. it needs to. And it's uh, a very, the world's a very visual medium. And then you see it a lot, a lot with with younger people now. Their their ability to interpret the written word is is difficult. 
you're, yeah, everything that they need to be fed visually about what's going on. Right, I, I, we struggle to, to to get our kids to 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 read anything. As I keep saying to 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 my kids, is is that you're just missing out on a wonderful world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fact that you have to fire your imagination to to read a book, you take journeys with people on a written page. It's, yeah, it's yeah. incredible, yeah. and 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 you build this world inside of your head. And, and you're denying yourself this wonderful moment, um, turning Netflix on or YouTube shorts or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just like what Slice said, it's just short, sharp shit that, that, that you've just got to get in, ingest and, and then move on to the next product. It's it's incredible. Yeah. But maybe we're all old. We're, we're not meant to understand this. Well, we are all old. But, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, same as speak. I mean, I, I can't believe anyone who doesn't enjoy the, you know, the act of reading, you know, when I was a kid, I used to just pick up a book and go sit in some remote corner of the house and just read. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, and, and it's, it's not even the way stories are built. Like if you look at movies and television, a lot of them are just, they just drop you straight into the action. There's no character development. And then it's just bang, you know, away they go on some meaningless action compared to like Spook and I are big fans of the movie Jaws. You know, look at the way that actually builds the story. It builds right, the, right. the tone, you know, it introduces you to the character because you get to know the people and all that sort of stuff. Um, one of the main characters isn't really in the movie until halfway through, which is, you know, Robert Shaw as Quint. I mean, I know he makes a few appearances beforehand. Or the but... shark for that matter, because, you know, and, and, yeah. I, and I, I guess that the, uh, you know, reading some stuff about that film, I guess they had so many technical problems with their mechanical shark that they didn't get to use it as much as they had wanted to, which tended to hype up the drama of that show, of that yeah. film then. Yeah. Yeah. And then, now that'll be done by CGI and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of those stories, I mean, I even look at the Star Wars is a really good example. The original trilogy takes time to, you know, develop the characters and what they mean in that universe, whereas the, the new ones just drop you into a vat of CGI and it's like, hey, it's all glitzy. You must love it. And yeah. if you really examine it, it just falls apart under scrutiny because it's built so poorly. It looks good, but it's built yeah. so poorly. But I think because it looks so good, a lot of people think it must be good. Well, back I have, in our day, yeah, I have well, a film. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. I'll just say back in our day, you know, shit movies look shit. Nowadays, <laughs> shit movies still look, you know, can look great, but they're still shit. But the, the illusion fools a lot of people. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and they and they expect you to marvel at them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went there. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, um, you know, I I have I have a film that I that I have used in my government class for years, and it's a film called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It was made in 1939. Yeah. And I have I have to spend a class period explaining to them why this film is important for them to watch because when they see it's a black and white film, it's that's automatically a turnoff for them. And it's you know the because I tell them I said there's you know there's no CGI, there's no naked people, there's no swearing, there's no explosions, and it is consistently in you know considered one of the you know greatest films ever made. And I, I've had kids actually go out and buy copies of it after after they've watched it because they were like, "Wow, this was this was actually awesome." But you have to talk them into it. You almost have to coax them into into watching this film because it's uh, it's 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 a completely different type of medium for them because it's not all the the glitzy glamour CGI stuff, you know, blowing things up, cars going fast. It's 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 there's dialogue. People are actually speaking to one another and you have to process what they're saying. Yeah. I mean I, I love the TV series Mindhunter. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's gone now. Just that they 
just finished watching it again uh like for the third time this week yeah it just it because it takes time to build mm -hmm. characters and build their relationships and do the investigation and yeah although they're talking to serial killers it's not like just splashy shootouts and right um you know crime of the week every week and all that sort of stuff being at the forefront it just it's really nice to watch something that takes its time to tell you a good story well, and if I remember correctly, and I'm thinking, yeah, having, like I said, just having watched it again over the last uh, couple of weeks, there's only one, if I remember, there's only one gunshot in the entire series, and it's in the opening three minutes of, of the show, okay. of the first episode. Oh, oh that's you the know. guy that kills yeah. himself, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there there are some rumblings that Fincher is back negotiating with Netflix to do a third well, season. That'd be that awesome. would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome because a lot of yeah, we just all sound like angry old men, but it just a, a lot of stuff. It's really hard to invest in because it does follow that template of fast, glitzy, mm -hmm. and meaningless. Um, you know, so I can make myself sound really old, but I mean, I, I struggle to watch a lot of stuff nowadays just because it's also stupid. It's yep. the way things are plotted. It's just the greatest string of coincidence to drive the story and the plot yeah and it's like the writers don't even remember what someone wrote four pages ago because there's all these contradictions and it's just dumb well this uh, is know. this is where i'm gonna you know i'm and we've kind of gotten off the rails here but uh <laughs> which is completely okay because this is the first time it's ever happened on this podcast okay it's uh you know i yank on the movies yes i i find myself you know my wife likes to tell you so she, why don't you watch normal tv is what she likes to you know but it which that's fine we watch a few things together but you know i i i most of the stuff that i watch is like british detective shows yeah. um yeah i'm a huge fan of uh like jack irish and um oh gosh uh rake absolutely loved rake yeah rake well right yeah we're big fans yeah. of Rake. yeah uh the uh I cannot think of the name. the 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 one gentleman, Aaron Peterson, who was in Jack Irish, did a uh, he played a character by the name of Jay Swan. was a was a police officer, police detective up in I believe the northern part of W A. Was that uh, Bainey? Oh, I can't. It was cold. I'm drawing a blank on the. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. The name of the show right now. Uh, Mystery Road. Okay. Yeah. He's, you know, there's been a few series that he's done with that, but I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed watching those slow burn shows and uh, like Midsummer Murders and things like that coming out of the UK that that spend time to get into character development. You know, that, you know, yeah. where they're, you know, the, the little murder mysteries might be, they might only have, you know, five episodes in a season, but each one of them is, is 90 minutes long. So they delve much more deeply into the storyline. And I found those to be so much more intriguing than a lot of the the stuff that that goes on you know that they put out there as you know what's considered mainstream i mean i i've not i've not watched it you know i watched the first two spider-man movies with toby Maguire. i don't have it i don't i don't give a hoot in hell about any of the superhero movies i don't i could care less about them or i couldn't care less whichever is the proper way of describing it you know and it's just it's it's just it's i you know it's not my genre i'm not the target audience for of course you know now have you ever have you ever watched one called the wire i watched the first no. season a few years ago 
Okay. No, it's it's highly rated. It's one of those ones that I keep meaning to sit down and watch. It Um, is. It's phenomenal. It is. It is phenomenal. And it's, uh, you know, we got we had a a speaker at our school a couple of weeks ago who wrote a book. He he had just had a new book come out about like you know the 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 foundations of when hip hop music came about. Again, not the target audience for that book, but he also wrote one about the Wire where he interviewed all of the you know, people involved with the making of that show, the actors, the writers, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I, you know, was talking to my students about, you know, what would be your Mount Rushmore? Like, you know, your, t- you know, your top four, your top five shows. And, and I told him, I said, I listed my top four shows. And I said, you know, my, I said, the wire would be sitting on top of my Mount Rushmore because it it's to me, it's that superior. It's above breaking bad. And it's above the Sopranos to, in my opinion, um, just a just phenomenal one. So if you got the, if you haven't had a chance to go back and go past season one, I strongly recommend going back into it. It's just, it's just, it's wow. It is, it's just, it's gripping. So for me too, I mean, you look at like, you talk about sort of superhero movies, you're not being really the market, but like of the superhero movies that have been out, you know, since they've been making them stuff like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight stands mm-hmm. above a lot of the other stuff because they actually again they invest in the story they do the character building and all that it's mm-hmm. not just you know flashy effects and all that sort of stuff so like even the, I, with me I, I don't really care what the story is like I, i'll watch anything if you do a good job with it i'll really invest in it but if you don't i will s- sit there shout at the television or in the cinema we'll be laughing and joking and making you know stupid jokes Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at something like what's the last thing we saw in cinema would have been Top Gun Maverick, which is just a really, I mean, it's a fun movie, you know. Um, but they don't really do stuff like that anymore. They don't sort of really understand how to put it all together. So if there are no. stakes and you like the characters and there are arcs and all that. Mm-hmm. There's an element of that, though, as an example, and you and you can certainly draw a parallel back to sport where it's all about respecting the past and 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 the the things that the, the characters go through or the history of a of a character you know things like superman and batman they've been around for 70 80 years you have to respect the history of it you can't just slap it now in, into into modern times and expect it to to gel with everyone it's the same with sport you've got to go back and respect the, the something that's been done for 100 years and and it has survived for 100 years is a reason for that you can't just change it now to suit whatever it is, shorter attention span or or an ability to only go to something for 10 minutes and expect it to be successful. Now, there's, there's got to be a balancing act there between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like, you know, I've watched all of the John Wick films, but I couldn't, there's nothing memorable about them. They're highly stylized bubblegum films. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, it doesn't, it's not anything that I, it's, it's like having a, it's like having a chocolate bar. You get that little sugar high and mm. then it's gone. And it's the one thing I like about the John Nick films is they sort of develop a mythology. I mean, it's all insane, but you know, they actually try and develop a bit of a mythology about, about how these people operate under the radar. And it's also how you organize and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So I actually found that interesting that they were doing that. I mean, action at a certain point, it just becomes white noise when you just keep doing it. Um, and John, well, I mean, I don't know what the body count is. He'd have to be killing people in the hundreds at a certain point and just go, do I care anymore? Uh, and I like Keanu Reeves. Uh, and I actually, I, I liked the first one because it was sort of unexpected in some of the stuff it did. And I liked that the vengeance was all simply based on, you know, what yes. happened to his dog. His dog, exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I really like that because um, I, I could actually empathize with that. But uh, as it's gone on, they just sort of become this prolonged, you know, vengeance battle and all that sort of stuff. It's like, okay, you probably, it, it's a story, it's like the Rambos because I watched all those again recently. Yeah. And at first blood's a really, really good movie. It's a really mm-hmm. good exploration of someone suffering post-traumatic stress disorder. Right, right. Really struggling to reconcile being back in society and you know, having no usefulness anymore that he feels oh, he feels he has no more usefulness. And then the rest of the movies are just sort of bubblegum movies where he goes someone, shoots a lot of bad guys, and does whatever yep. he has to do. And like I think a lot of stories start with that. Uh, that that character driven arc of where where they start and where they're going, and then when they become successful, it's like we're going to make another one, and then it's just really yeah, hey, yeah, which is, yeah. You know, and Rocky's Rocky's another really great example. Rocky, the first one's a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. and then the you know by the third and fourth one, I mean, and they're really enjoyable, but they're just real bubblegum movies. I mean, the fourth one's the most eighties movie you'll ever see. Yeah, as you can yeah. just imagine the trailer. They killed his best friend. Now he's coming after the Russian. Yeah, it was resp- yeah, So, um, anyway, sorry, we've gone totally off track, but yeah, That's, yeah. Well, sh- yeah, I know it's getting late there. I know it is late there, gentlemen. Um, but uh, do you want to finish up with a couple of trivia questions here, real quick, about the pies before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Okay, because yeah, this, this will be, be fun a- because we were deplorable at this last time. Yeah, this this way we're actually uh, you know we're actually closing it out with uh, talking about something footy related, and people are going, "What the hell podcast was I just listening to?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do that when they watch that football one anyway. <laughs> okay, so um, these eight magpies, uh, all of them played at least twenty games last year, averaged twenty disposals per game. Nick Dagos. Mm-hmm. Degoe, Josh. Yeah, Degoe, Josh would be in there, I imagine. Degoe and Josh Dacos. Yep, there's three of them. Crisp. Yep. Crispy. Jack Crisp. Yep. I can side bottom in there. You got both. You got both Dacos's, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Side bottoms yeah. there. Yep. You got three more, and two of them, I think, would be the most obvious ones you don't have yet. Pendles. Pendles. Pendleberry's one. Yep. Darcy Moore. Did we not Darcy Moore? Huh? I was 20, 20 possessions was the average, 20, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, twenty disposals. Yeah, twenty disposals. Yeah, twenty disposals. Yep. Quainor? Not Quainor, Huh? He wants to say Hoskin Elliott. Speak. I'm not saying Hoskin Elliott. He would have averaged about thirteen. Well, did Lipinski be out of the equation because he only no, came he was in totally... wide and barely touched it? Well, think, think newcomer. Mitchell. There Mitchell. you go. There's your seventh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's your seventh. You have one more. One more. Did any of any of you, uh, either of you study chemistry at all? Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking more of a gas reference there. Hmm. A type of gas. Hydrogen. It's hydrogen. No, John Noble. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Noble gas. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So you got seven out of eight. That I mean that was a, that was kind of a tough one right there because his name has not come up at all. Everybody else's name came up in our discussion today. Um, you know, at least we didn't have you know Rake you know getting you know twenty plus disposals or something like that. Jack Jack Irish had you know four goal assists a game, but uh, okay. So in the, in the, the history of the Magpies. Have the Magpies won more games at 
the stadium that's been called Docklands or Marvel, whatever it's been called throughout its history, or have they won more games at Waverly Park? I'd go with Waverly. Well, Waverly, when did that come online? That was in the 70s. We didn't play there all that often, though. It'd be... Yeah, but I just think about all the complaints we have about Marvel about not playing it well. Because we, we, we're contracted to play, I think, two games a year at Marvel, aren't we? Which would have been close to what we used to play at VFL Park back in the day. That's a tough one. We'd play four at uh, at Marvel between... You'd have two. Oh, was it only home games? Yeah. So the, what was the question? Sorry, just uh, how many so games? Did, has the club won more games at Waverley oh, or at, at Docklands? I think we we I'd I'd, I'd say wave uh, Docklands because we we have won a lot there. I'd, okay. I'd say Docklands. Okay. What are you and, saying? And Sly, okay, yeah, why? Sly, you said Waverly. Okay, one of yeah. you is correct. Um, <laughs> That's usually the way our Do- podcast yeah. goes. Docklands, uh, Docklands, fifty-five wins, forty-two losses. Waverly, sixty-two wins, sixty-two losses. So no, level of Waverly. Down, you're just letting us down. Oh, it's not unusual. <laughs> I'm making okay. a lot of shit up on the fly. Now, Have you noticed? This this one really surprised me here. This one really surprised me. Is the um, answer VFL Park? No. Uh-uh. These uh that's not even part of the question. These two these two players led the club with 90% plus time on ground for the pies last year. 90% plus. Be Darcy Moore would have to be one of that's them. That's one of them. Yep. The other one really surprised me. And 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 I just because of Toscan yeah. Elliott. <laughs> he is. It is not. Okay. It I'm is on not. ground. Jamie Elliott? No, nah, he's always slipping off. <laughs> he just always seemed to be there, though. That was the because it's always going to be one of those left field players. Oh, you'd think so, like my check or bingo. Yeah. 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 See, I, I just, and, and I guess you know, as as a forward, it makes it makes sense. But I, I I still didn't think he spent that much time out there. But you know, I and I and I I told you this last year, and I'll tell you again. I would love to have Brody Majacek on my team. He's he he, yeah. and I think I said it last year. He's a Swiss Army knife. He just he's not he's not fantastic at a lot of things, but he's pretty darn good at everything he does. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a, just a wonderful player to have on 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 anybody's club. Those final seconds in the grand final, yeah. he was instrumental in that. Uh, yeah, in one of those little passages at the end. Yeah, it's good that you say that, Craig, because I did hear you accuse him of not traveling interstate enough during the home and away season. <laughs> I heard him say before that he goes, The only way we'll get him if he gets homesick. <laughs> well, maybe he'll head back to Tasmania. Who knows? But yeah, he might get his last. Well, year the ferry for Tasmania leaves Geelong now, so he's, he's doing his math. That's true. Yeah. Exa- well, that's that's the thing is that if I do come for the four weeks, you know, because the, the way I've got it set up, I'd get to see, and I'm going to see as many games as I can, but I get to see the Cats play the Hawks and the Bulldogs in Geelong, the Pies at the MCG. And then the fourth week, I'd we'd either be going, I'd either be making the drive to Adelaide to watch the Crows and the Hawks, you know, make that drive along the Southern coast or take the ferry down to, Tasmania to watch the cats play the ruse during that week. So I'm still still trying to figure out what's going to be the my you know the most bang for my buck. But of course, unfortunately, they don't have the actual dates for the games for those rounds 
published not, yet. Yeah. yeah, I know. Not I know the. I know the range of days. I just don't know the specific days as of yet. So, as much as I love South Australia, I'd be inclined to take the ferry trip to Tassie. It's a, it's a beautiful place too. Okay. It's um, yeah. There's only one thing wrong with South Australia. That's the South Australians. <laughs> okay, I'm maybe gonna, it's I'm... more than one. Maybe more than one. Okay, I'm no, gonna. They're all right, they're lovely. They're lovely people. Well, three of them. Well, that's similar to the problem with humanity. Is all the people? Yeah, it's we we joke about that as teachers. You know, this would be a great job if it wasn't for all the students. Yeah, you know, it'd be exactly. So, um, who was the most recent player to lead the club in goals kicked that was not named Brody Majacek? So that would be last year. Um, there'd have to be someone like Bobby Hill, surely. Or Elliot. So this is last year, yeah? No, yeah. it was not. It was in 2018. Oh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I totally misunderstood the question. Yeah. Okay. Um, the goey in 18, wasn't it? Exactly. Yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, after Scott Pendlebury... Who was the oldest player to play for the Magpies in the 21st century? Buck Rogers. <laughs> Methuselah. <laughs> no. So per- who's outside so, of Pendles, who was the oldest? In the 21st century. So basically since 2000, who was the oldest person to play to, to don the black and white besides him? That's an interesting question. Um, they were 34 years old, 32 days. I think it would have had to be in the Malthouse era. It's not Buckley, is it? It's a name I was not familiar with. Yeah, I think under Buckley, Mitch Cumstein. I think he did copy or repair. Uh, <laughs> Just trying to be the guys on the malt house because on the Buckley, they're all dropping. So I don't think anyone played that long. <laughs> Can we get some initials? Is that too much of a giveaway? Uh, let's see here. Um... One of his initials, you want you want first initial or last initial? Let's go with last. W. Is Walter White. <laughs> no, it's not, not Walter White, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, w. Not Jesse White. No. He was gone well before that. Uh, he was old though, wasn't he? No, he wasn't that old, I don't think. Um Wakeland. There you go. Uh, Shane, yeah. Shane Wakeland, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. uh two two more questions for you here. Two more questions. Which player kicked the most goals for the Magpies in the 21st century? So at this point. Yeah, oh, the 21st. So that's from 2000 onwards, obviously, yeah. Right, Same right. Year. Right. So Rocker was done by then. Oh, no, it'd be Anthony Rocker? No. Nope. Rocker would have played until 9 or 10, so... I was thinking um, Sav. 
the set was done with us by that 2000 is the last year yeah so that was a travis cloak yes it was yes it was <laughs> All right, and the last question, and this this you're going to have to help me here because I'm going to butcher this name. Chris Giacano. No, that's not it. Uh, much shorter name. Uh, who won more games as a Magpie senior coach, Mick Malthouse, or is it Fonz Kine? Fonz Kine. I'd say Fonz Kine. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I don't think they missed the finals under him, but I could be wrong. Because it's not. Yeah. Is it a ratio of uh, wins to losses, or just a sheer yeah, number? Just, just sheer number of wins. Yeah. Swans Khan took over after. Um, but he didn't coach for long, though, did he? I don't know. He wasn't one of those those interim ones for. Uh, no, it wasn't. He was there for a while. I thought he was there for. He took over after McHale. Is that that's the same era? Well, if it was after McHale, I mean, they sucked him in the 40s. So. Well, he actually, yeah, he coached the team beginning in 1950. Yeah. So. Yeah. In the 50. <sighs> because he was, he was the 58 coach, wasn't he? The premiership coach. He coached from 50 to 63. Yeah, so a lot of that he would have, yeah, I'd say him because I mean, a lot of that they would have made finals, had two flags. That's unusual for a Collingwood coach. Well, actually, it was Malthouse. Oh, that's what I said. Malthouse Malthouse was Malthouse 163 wins, 121 losses. Kine 161 wins, 109 losses. So Kine had a better winning percentage. Oh, that's what we're thinking. That's yeah. what we thinking all. That's what yeah. Thinking. yeah. In, in Australia, we gave our ratio. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Not not just a sheer number of wins. No. 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 Okay. You win, you're in the bin. Yeah. Okay. So because no, he had two flags for Collingwood, Maltas only had one, so we didn't see past that. Okay. No, so it. so so if somebody steps in as uh you know whoever you know finished out the season last year for uh for Damian Hardwick at Richmond, if he finished with you know. Four wins and no losses. He would go down as one of the greatest Richmond coaches ever. At Richmond, yeah. <laughs> I think Best one of the big strengths for Fonz too was he was just hanging around with Richie and um, and then yeah. uh, Ralph Elf. I think that's yeah. more, yeah. more, more, well, more better company. As long Pots, as long Pots. as long as there wasn't any smoking of the potsy, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, gentlemen, before we go, where can people find the Collingwood rant? I'd like to know too. Okay. Deleted items. Deleted items. No, we'll be yeah. So we'll be back on YouTube within a couple of weeks and on Spotify and and then all the other platforms under Spotify like Apple and Google Play and all that sort of stuff. And what about your socials? If they wanted to follow you on your socials, Uh, I've got a Calling It Rant Twitter page, Calling It Rant Facebook page. X, it's X those days, mate. Oh, it's X. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Elon. Um, Facebook, Facebook. We got one of those uh, groupy things that uh, I've got a page. We've got a a page. Yeah, and 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 X and YouTube. So MySpace. I think we've got MySpace. (laughs) Yeah, I think yeah we are on MySpace. I think you're on your own on that one. But uh, (laughs) well, hey guys. I appreciate you coming I mean, on. This has been this has been a a, a fun chat again. Um, I again my 
my humble apologies for uh you know dissing your club last year it will not happen this year um now i i promise i will not pick i will not pick any of your players to well i can't make this promise officially but you know to win the brownlow or to win the coleman because you know i've had a i've been a really bad bad luck charm as far as those things go i'm just making carlton play i will be happy that's it So if I if I, how about I what if I tip Jack Silvani and just you know call it a day and say you know since he already got hurt well, and he's, he's done for the year he's so, done so he's so, so, if I, winning it. so if I tip him yeah then then nobody's going to be upset. No, I'll be it's upset because he's not big Sam Walsh. <laughs> well, Kerno, or Charlie Kerno, Kerno. Kerno. Yeah, get me on Kerno. Pick pick yeah. a, a tie between Walsh and Kerno. Yeah. Okay. I can, yeah, I, I, and I have not written any of that stuff up yet. I'm still working through my own things here because it's been, uh, you know, once we wrap up here, I've got, uh, I think, eight episodes that are recorded that I have to edit now. So, um, and one more tonight that I have to, that I'm doing, I'm doing the Hawthorne preview tonight. So, um, I'm pretty excited about that one because I, I thought they, you know, until James Blank got hurt, I thought they might have a shot at, at creeping up the, uh, the ladder a little bit this year, but I, I don't know if I can put them there now. No, so. Blank got it out of karma. So, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, Sly, Spook, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening. This this is fun. Um, I I wish your club all the best, of course, except when they're playing the Cats. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I guess I should ask the question: Do, Does is there something that's in the players' contracts for the pies where they at least have to, like, on the during the offseason, do they have to at least drive down the M1 to recognize that Geelong is actually there? No. Or, no. okay, just I just wanted to check, because I know that, you know, Essendon is coming there this year, or they went there last year, um, but, uh, you know. Well, Geelong is known for its supplements, so. The town. It's, so it's, shot, at S- it's, it's shot at Essendon, not Geelong. I had a supplement scandal about ten okay. years ago. No, oh, yeah, I knew, I knew about that. Yes, that's that's yeah. what that's what I heard. Yeah. So I, that, I, I, that was I, a James Heard reference there too. That was the. <laughs> no, not me. I didn't say anything bad about Essendon. Yeah. I love the club. They gave, they gave us a drop breaking flag. Well, they, <laughs> there you go. Well, hey guys, have a great evening and sleep well and uh, best of luck this year and. Uh, Take it easy. Thanks for having us again. You bet. Cheers. All right, gentlemen. Hey, thanks so very much for staying up late. A little bit of an earlier start for me than uh, any other ones I've done this year, but not quite as early as we did last year, as we just discussed. But uh, I appreciate you taking time out of the evening. And uh, I think when you get to talk about a premiership side, uh, you'll do it at any time of the day. So that was absolutely wonderful. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, theyankonthefooty.com. You can uh, get on the mailing list there, which I hope you'll do. You can leave a review if you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, first of all, I hope you check out other preview episodes and other interviews and things like that that I have done uh, during the course of the year. Um, and going back now to 2019, I've got many of them You're over on YouTube as well. You can find most of the episodes there as well. Hopefully, you'll uh, get subscribed over there. Um, if you want to help out the podcast, you certainly could do that uh, by checking out my Redbubble store page uh, or clicking on that buy me a coffee button over on my website as well. Uh, help to keep the podcast lights on, so to speak. Uh, help to keep me in coffee, 
because that's a an absolute necessity. Uh, this is number four that I've recorded in the last uh, about 18 hours, and I have one more later on tonight. I'm sitting down to preview Hawthorne later on this evening. But folks, I appreciate the kind words. I hope you'll share the podcast with your friends and family as well. Um, you know, I absolutely love your game. I appreciate the fact that you've shared it with me, that you've allowed me to have this little opportunity to uh, to go ahead and and be part of of this wonderful, wonderful game. I do hope you'll, uh, as I said, get signed up and um, look out for one another. Check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. If you need to talk to somebody, those phone numbers are always in every episode of my show notes. At the bottom of the show notes there. So please reach out to someone. But get out with your friends. Go have that coffee. Whatever it is that you do, go out and take a walk at the park. Whatever it is that you do to go enjoy yourself and and uh, and to make yourself and help make yourself as happy as you possibly can be. I appreciate the kind words from everybody. Uh, truly, truly enjoy the uh, the support. Um, and as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. And this has been episode 310 of A Yank in the Footy, my preview of Collingwood Magpies for 2024. Don't forget, again, that you can reach me on Twitter or X at Yank underscore on via email at a Yank on the Footy at gmail.com. You can find me at the Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook, the Yank on the Footy on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Probably other places that I don't know about, but uh, I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll share the episode with your friends and family. And until next time, cheers and goodbye.